0: Let us pray. Father, we must have your help now. I must have your help to open your word and proclaim the good news about Jesus. And we all must have your help in hearing and believing. So give to us your grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Here's my uh, once every 18 months opportunity. <laughs> Y'all doing, enjoy doing something publicly once every 18 months? I'm, I'm only joking. I'm, I'm, I'm honored and happy uh, for the opportunity to uh, preach, speak to you all for a few minutes um, about Epiphany. Really, it's about Jesus, because Epiphany is about Jesus. And we come here to proclaim Jesus Christ to a worn out and uh, lost world. So it's about Jesus. But for those of us who don't come from the Anglicany, or the liturgical church world background, like myself, and a lot of you in this room, as I know, um, something like Epiphany, or the season of Epiphany, is something different. You know, I grew up knowing what Christmas and Easter is, but other than that, nothing about the church calendar. You know, it's just January through December, and that's the way the world worked. But uh, I'm beginning to understand and see uh, the deeper riches of this uh, liturgical church calendar tradition. Now, I must say, as uh, as I was moving from the, the Baptist tradition into this Anglican tradition, I had a uh, a friend of mine saying that, remember, all the stuff, the traditions, the calendar, the, the liturgies, all of this, they're to serve Jesus and the gospel, not the other way around. And we might say, well, well, duh, of course that's true. Well, yeah, it's true. But just like anything, it can become the point instead of Jesus being the point. So that's my caveat to talking about these issues. But it is very, very true that we can go into places of, of depth and, um, and places that are deep and not shallow when we think about the church calendar and allows us to see Jesus in new ways and to worship Him in ways that, uh, that at least I didn't grow up understanding or, or utilizing. So the word epiphany, by the way, that was January 6th. You have Christmas, the 12 days of Christmas. Um, moving up into January sixth and we remember the day of epiphany it's, it's it's a day of revealing or manifestation and the church historically has 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 used this day to talk about different passages of scripture where Jesus is is more and more revealing who he is not just as a, a baby who's completely dependent upon his mother and his father but this baby is the savior of the world and first and foremost passage that we think about when we're talk, talking about epiphany is is the kings or the wise men who came and saw Jesus as a child these wise men were not Jews they were Gentiles and this gospel already from the time that Jesus was was born this gospel was made clear that this was a gospel for the whole world not just for the Jewish people obviously for the Jew first but also for the Gentile in this Revealing, or this manifestation of who Jesus is to the Magi, uh, through the star, through the miraculous leading of the star, through all the other circumstantial things that happened there, and then they came and worshipped the Savior. Our reading this morning from John one is also a, a message about revealing. But you know, if we look up earlier in John one, which we've been doing uh, through the last few weeks, uh, even into the end of last month, we've been reading in John 1. There's all sorts of passages here in John 1 about Jesus revealing who He is. You know, it says in John 1, verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we know that Word was with God from the beginning, and that Word was God from John 1, 1. And now that Word has become flesh and dwelt among us. This is a revealing of who God is in Jesus Christ. Then later on, uh, the Jews uh, the Jews sent priests and Levites to ask John the Baptist, who are you? And John, and, and John said, I am not worthy. Uh, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord. So he said, I'm not the Messiah. I'm here just to make to, to proclaim the, the, the way of the Lord. And uh, And then later on, though, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We have another revealing here in John 1, verse 29. Jesus calls his first disciples going on down into the chapter. Uh, again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked and saw Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples who saw him, they, and they followed Jesus. So here you have the revealing once again, this This ongoing revealing more and more clearly who Jesus is, right here out of John 1. Then we get to our passage for today Jesus calling Philip and Nathaniel. And when Jesus is revealed, there are consequences. It's just not like, well, there's Jesus and nothing happens. When Jesus is revealed to be who he is, worship happens, change happens. And we'll see in a minute uh, in the last passage that we're going to look at, our whole universe changes when Jesus is revealed to be who He is. But here you see Jesus talking to Nathaniel, and Nathaniel says, "How do you know me?" Because Jesus had just said that He was an Israelite who there is no no deceit. And 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 thing was like, "You never met me. You don't know me." <laughs> Say like that, but he says, How do you know me? And Jesus said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. This is a revelation of a supernatural nature of who Jesus is. You know, at the birth of the baby Jesus, this is God become human, God become man, God become flesh and dwelling among us. This is a the greatest miracle that God could take on our form and flesh. And he, and he was revealed to be a human being, a man, a baby in that time. But now you see with these miraculous events, how do you know me? Well, I saw you earlier under the fig tree. And Nathaniel immediately had this revealed to him. This isn't just any kind of human being. This is... Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Now we could go back through the Old Testament and it would be very easy to show you that these words like Son of God and King of Israel, these were all Messianic labels. Nathaniel knew in that moment this is just not another person. This is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. And Jesus says to him, you, because I said to you I saw you under a fig tree you believe you will see greater things than these truly truly I say to you you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man Jesus said just get ready the thing. you're going to see the heavens open you'll see who I am one more revelation here John chapter 2 Jesus reveals himself again as supernatural when he changes the water into wine at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. This is who Jesus is. He is God. He is man. And he is revealing himself to be the Savior of the world. Alright, 1 Timothy. Think about the word epiphany. Remember appearing, or remember of this manifestation. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I'm going to go to verse 8, and I'm going to read 8, 9, and 10 here. We're going to think about what happens when Jesus is revealed to be who He is. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony. I should say this. This is Paul. Paul writing to young Timothy. Sorry. Therefore, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus for the ages began. And this is the key to the epiphany uh, connection and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. St. Paul is saying here that your world and this whole universe has changed because of the appearing of Jesus Christ. Let's just think about these verses for a few minutes. Paul is suffering. He's in prison here, and he's asking um, to young Timothy and, by extension, all of us to be willing to share in the suffering for the gospel. And that that will only happen by the power of God. Jesus, or God through Jesus, has saved us and called us to this holy calling. And this calling is not because of anything we have done. Jesus does not love you more when you are good, and He does not love you less when you are bad. He loves you because he's, because you are His child. It's not because of works that you have done, but it's because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Do you realize... Loved ones, this morning, that this purpose and calling, this grace that's not based upon works was given to you before the world began. God knew you. God knew you as an individual, being part of the body of Jesus, and he knew his church from the beginning of creation. How does that happen? Well, I can't explain all that, but I do know this. God is outside of time. He created time. It says in Revelation and in other places that I am the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. So if we do not understand all of this ourselves, God does. He created it. And He has known you. And He has loved you. And He has given you this holy calling that's not based upon works. And He has given you all of this by His purpose and grace before the ages began. But as great a news as, as that is, it gets even better. And which now, verse 10, and which now has been manifested, has been made known to us. It's been revealed to us. It's been made clear to us. We don't have to wonder about it anymore. but this holy calling, not because of works, this purpose of grace that was that, that been given to us since the ages began, It's now been revealed to us through the appearing, through the epiphany of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is a change agent. Sounds like such a a low-class term for the Savior of the world. But when Jesus shows up, people are changed. Here's what he did. Jesus abolished death. He brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This morning, we have a lot um, to, to suffer through. I know that in my personal life, I look at the world and, and look at how I maneuver in the world, and, and wisdom seems more difficult today than it did historically. The world just seems more complex. And there's sickness. Uh, a pandemic that's difficult to maneuver. Uh, I know uh, multiple people in the hospital. This is, this is really affecting real people. I know people who passed away really affecting real people. I also know that it's affecting uh, people in other ways. Not being able to go to work and, and the anxiety levels. It's it's so complex. Lord, Lord, help us think through all of it. Help us to be wise as we seek to do what's best for our families and to love our neighbors. There are no easy answers. Look at the reality of the political realm, the cultural realm. It all seems so complex. It all seems so veiled to me. And that's on top of all the, the normal things that are difficult about life. The, the, the struggles that we all have in, in being a family and loving one another understanding as parents how to best uh, raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord how to be a good witness to our neighbors and to love uh, those who are immediately around us and also then to think about how to love the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ that's just the normal complexities of life we all come this morning with all of that on us and I don't know your story that's that's the other ultimately tricky thing about this is that we all have our own stories as well not just things I can can generalize about you know when Adam and Eve fell in the garden the punishment was death and we can feel that we'll feel literal death one day but we can also feel many small deaths in many different ways but when Jesus appeared he abolished death and he brought life that's what Jesus Christ has done. I was thinking back as I was looking at this passage we live in a tricky time I read that he brought he abolished death well people are still dying he brought life well life is still uh, 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 well death is still here life isn't always happening so if you thought back to to Lazarus, in John chapter 11, when his friend Lazarus had died and Lazarus' sisters had called for Jesus. And and they fussed at Jesus at first because he didn't come earlier. But still, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And he says that I am the resurrection and the life. That's what Jesus told them. And he literally raised Lazarus from the dead. What joy must those people have felt? This inbreaking of Jesus' power to abolish death and give life. Do you know what's tricky about that? Lazarus then turned around at some point later and died again. I mean, what's that feeling like? Dying twice. That's kind of that's got sting in many ways. So what we're looking for is the day that Jesus returns again. And what he has done in the cross and the resurrection, and what he has done at Lazarus' tomb, is made immortal. It's done away with forever. Death will be gone forever. Life and life and immortality will be brought to light through the gospel. This is what the appearing of Jesus Christ has given us it has given us hope, it has given us everything we need for life and godliness. It has given us um, grace to make it through the complexities of this world. And it's given us a home forever that will be a, a home of life and immortality. Enjoying Jesus and enjoying one another forever. Thanks be to God.